What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Maybe you saw it on Facebook, uh, the same video. And we're going to take uh, about six sermons or six lessons, whatever you want to call them. And we're going to go through the subject of what makes you happy. Think, think about it. What, what was that? Some of you are going, you know, I don't know. And you have to kind of stop and maybe someone nudge you. And, yeah, I know what makes you happy. And, and whatever it is, I, I want you to think back when you were maybe the most happy. Because here, here's the truth of it. Most people don't know what makes them happy. Uh, when, when you think about it uh, long enough and you, you have all these options, you begin to come up with all these things. And uh, here's what I do know about our culture is even, even in our culture, there are millions, if not billions and billions of dollars a year spent on advertising trying to convince us that we need something to make us happy. And here's what I know. What makes you happy? No thing. I didn't say nothing. I said no thing. No thing makes you happy. Here's the thing. is The path to happiness begins with a who. It doesn't begin with a what. Now, this this series of sermons, I, I get pretty excited because it's 2020. And we're all on the quest for happiness, if you know it or not. When we find something that makes us happy, we kind of stop and go, whoa, 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 what was that? And we like to repeat it. And we try to begin to have experiences more and more. If we have the right priorities in mind and we put the right priorities in our path, it's amazing how God will bring us to a place of fulfillment. Happiness is more about a who than what. You, you could say it this way. Happiness is about a who or two. It's true. I saw that going a lot funnier than... So this morning, I want to give you quickly three things. This is the first week of not only, as Lisa said, the new year, but of the decade. And there's some things that we're going to do. And and here's what we're going to do. The, The sermon series on what makes you happy. I'm preaching number one. Next week, Gwen is going to teach out of What Makes You Happy, Part 2. It's going to be at 9.30. And then I'm going to preach sermon or lesson 3 during the sermon. Then next week after that, Gwen will preach number 4. I'll preach number 5. And then on the last week of the month, I will finish preaching the last one. As we've talked about this and as we're putting this together, 2020 is going to be a bright year. Now people, some people go, well, how do you know that? Because that's what I'm believing. That's what I'm going to begin seeing. That's what I'm going to begin walking out. I know that there could be disappointments. I know that there could be obstacles, which leads to frustrations. But this morning as we start, what makes you happy? And as we get through this series, I want us to begin to put the right things in place so that when we come to 2021, we go, Yeah, that was an okay year. That that we actually sit down and we go, man, that was an amazing year in my life. We're, we're going to be talking about, I've got things lined up that will all go with this sermon series. So I encourage you, if you say, well, Pastor, I, I really haven't come at 9.30, start next week. As we put things together in this curriculum and these things that we're going to be teaching, it'll set a whole new perspective in place. As, as I said last week, 
Our problems are more than just circumstantial, but they're perceptual. It's the way that you see things. So this morning, I encourage you to take notes. And at the end of the service, if you can't, you know, you're going, I didn't know that point, and I did forget that. I'll give you three easy ways just to write it down and become, let me ask you this, can you do me a favor and become a person of habit this year? And when you take notes, here's what I ask you to do. Just put them somewhere that you're going to see them this week. Usually that for me is by the refrigerator. By the bed. And the bathroom. Okay, let's go on. There's three things I want you to see as we kick this off. The first thing is happiness is more about a who than a what. Because a lot of times when we get into trying to be happy, we'll go out and we'll buy something or we'll do something. But we know that if it's a thing, it's always happiness is not the what next thing that we're going to buy. I don't know about you, but the first time I bought a car, I thought, I'm never going to be sad again in my life. Look at that thing. Huh? Come on. And and I drove that thing around and man, I'll tell you what, it it was a Camaro. And I looked pretty good in it and I thought, man, life is fulfilled. But after that, car got in a little nick. I remember I was at a ball field and somebody backed out and did one of those and left without informing me. It lost a little bit of glitter and a little bit of shine and all of a sudden I thought I'd be happier if I got a new car. Do you remember the little cell phones that we used to, the first one that we got? I got mine, one of the first of all people. I was so proud. It's like 1997, and, and, and this thing was little, and, you know, it, it, it tried to text on one of those, and you had to hit one number, you know, three times before it would move down to the letter. It'd take you all day just to say, how are you doing, you know? And I remember I was so happy. But then came another phone. And it was a flip phone, and I thought, boy, I'd be a lot happier if I had one of those flip phones. If nothing else, I'd look pretty cool flipping it open, huh? With that one call a day that I was probably going to get. And then the iPhone came out, and anybody that was somebody had to have an iPhone until the next iPhone came out. And it's the same thing with the computer. It seemed like you were carrying home the hard drive that had a half a gig. That's right, half a gig, baby. And you see somebody coming out the other door with one gig of storage space and you're going, are you kidding me? Happiness is not a thing, but it's a who. Let me give you some evidence that I I see. Have you ever seen people or you've experienced this with people that don't have as much as you? Maybe they're they're a neighbor, maybe they're a family member, or maybe they're even in a third world country and, and they're just more happy, but they don't even really have much. They don't have a car. They have to walk wherever they go. They don't have a cell phone. But it seems like that person is more happier than you. It's called the Global X Syndrome that, that just because they don't have things doesn't mean that they can't be happy. And it, it's about a who. It's, it's those people in their life. Here's another uh, evidence that it's not about a what, but a who that brings happiness. If you have ever been a, a 
a couple that you know that you wanted to have children and and a young couple and maybe you've had difficulties or you thought it would be easier and then you know th- there's like Gwen and I we we when we were first married and then as we we ma- you know matured as a couple and we decided to have children we we liked kids but I can't say that I loved any kids because they were not mine. But there, there's something about when the children came into our life that we've been waiting for. And, you know, th- there's something about the who in your life that can that brings joy to you. And, and I remember bringing home each one of our children and 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 just thinking, wow, that that little person is an eternal soul that will always be with me. They won't always live with me. Can I get a witness from you older parents? But they will always be with me. It's When you think about the who's in our life, at the end of our life, it'll always be, if we have any regrets, it'll be relationship or relational, not just possessional things in our life that we'll regret. You know what I'm talking about, ladies. And gentlemen, when you're in the hospital bed, and if they did get to the place where they came to you and said, you got 24 hours, ladies, you wouldn't whisper to your husband, could you bring me my shoes so I could just spend some time with them? Gentlemen, you won't say to the nurse, could you, could, could you just give me a break and wheel me out to see my truck one more time? It's not about a what, but it's about a who. There's sometimes, though, that there's people that I've talked to and and those people that say, I don't need anybody in my life. And really, come on, guys, this is a lot of times our statement. We, we I don't need anybody to be happy. And really, those groups of people fall in two categories. And one of the the groups that say that are the people that have an abundance of what they say they don't need. They've always had relationships. They have mothers and dad and they have children and they have aunts and uncles. I really don't need anybody because you have an abundance. People that have a lot of food in their life, and we do as Americans, we go, I don't need that because you've always had it. You've never dealt without it. And the other group of people... A lot of times they get to the place where they they go, you know what, I didn't need it anyway. I don't want it anyway. And really that's become an excuse to say that you don't need it. You've heard that excuse in a promotion that they didn't get. Well, I didn't want it anyway. Maybe they're on a diet to lose weight and they didn't lose any weight. And they go, at the end of the year, well, I didn't want to lose it anyway. But let me tell you this. That, that this first point is so important because happiness is more about a who than a what. And no matter if you say, come on guys, just be honest with yourself. It, it, it's not just you saying, I don't need anybody or I, I really, I didn't want relationships anyway. It, it is something that all of us need, spiritually speaking. But also, even the science world has told us that over and over. It's about relationships that come together that make people the happiest in life. This morning, you might be a a quiet person or you might be a strong personality. 
You might be a sanguine. You might be a cleric, a melancholy, phlegmatic, a mixture of all of them. And there's different personalities that will come to the forefront on this issue and they'll go, the sanguines will go, are you kidding me? That's all I need in life is relationships. They're party in a box. When sometimes the most detailed people, the melancholies will look at you and go, you know what, really all I need is a cubicle with nobody around me. I don't know what personality you are, but I want to go to the second point. But before I do, what makes you happy? No thing makes you happy. It's a who, not a what. The second thing that I, if you're taking notes, write this down. A characteristic of what a happy person has, happy people have peace with themselves and others and with God. Now, now that, that, yeah, you'd say, well, sure. But there's something about people that have peace that you can tell in their lives that they're the most happiest. Anything or behavior that undermines peace in any of those relationships that you have undermines your happiness. Now, did you hear me? Anything in your life that has undermined peace is something that is stolen away from your happiness. I don't know whose phone that was. I was just scared it was my phone. Okay, I'm good. And I'm back. All right. The the peace that we seek after. It, 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 there's something about the enemy of happiness as relational regret. The, the past that we look back on and we look at our relationships and we've done something to somebody or we've said something to somebody or they've said it to us and we go, you know what? If, if I could just go back and change that. Because when that peace was broken in my life, there was something that just stole the happiness from then on in my life to a certain point. Let me tell you this, teens, and and not just the young people, but let me tell you, young people, that your presence right now, your present, will end up being your past. And if you're not careful with your behavior, it will rob you of happiness of something that you can be doing right now in your life. Peace with God will pave the way to peace with ourselves and it equips us to have peace with other people. There's there's something about people that will strive to say, God, I'm not going to serve you or worship you or put you first in my life. And there's so many ways of doing that. But, But at the end of the day, it's ourselves that looks at it and goes, you know what, I just don't know if I'm at peace with God. And even if you don't say it out of your mouth, you know what peace is and peace with God. There's things that are happening in your life that you go, you know what, that's not right. You really think about it and the implication is following Jesus will make you happy. And you think, could that be actually right? You know, in the New Testament, and this is the first week of the year, and if you know who we are as a church and what we believe in, this is the verse. 
And Jesus had been always asked silly questions, trying to trip him up. And, and this was one that a teacher in the law came to him. And in Matthew 22, verse 36, it said that this lawyer said, Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? Which one, he's saying, is the most important? Come on, let's get to the cliff notes. Let's just get to the blink. Let's get to the little short, all the things that we know as Jews, all the laws and the don'ts. Which one, Jesus, do you think is the most important? I'm sure he thought he had the answer. But the Bible says, really Jesus says, be happy with evil. Be at peace with people and God. Here's what he says. In verse uh, 37 it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Think about it. Love doesn't really sound like a commandment, does it? It kind of sounds like you should be saying, Jesus, Thou shall not. That's the greatest commandment. And a bunch of don'ts. But Jesus is saying, love God with everything that you have. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's so simple. And people try to make it so difficult. But really, Jesus is saying, you want to know? If you love God, you love other people, and you love yourself, it's amazing that you'll begin to walk in happiness. You'll begin to walk in peace. And as I said on this first point, the second point, the first part of it is that happy people are at peace. Pastor, can you give me something emotional that I could do? Or do I throw my hair back and if I had a bun, you know, a lady and throw it back and it would come? Would that make me happy? Is there something I could chop my feet and be happy? Because that is a little bit too hard for me. To love God? To love our neighbor? Come on. I can love God. I can't see Him. I can try to love myself, but other people? Now now watch this. If the first point is Happy people, it's more about a who than a what. You could say relationships. And the second one is happy people have peace in their life. In loving God, loving our neighbor, and loving ourselves, then peace comes upon us. It's it's reciprocal. It's a cycle. It, It comes back and forth. That as we love, watch this, we become peaceful. At peace. And it's almost like it's a fruit of what we actually want our at the most. Have you ever gotten a place where you kind of loved your husband? You kind of loved your wife? And all of a sudden you started seeing that happiness erode? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Because as we are together as a group of people, we know that there's a 100%, 100% chance of conflict the more that we're together. If if something tragedy happened outside and they said, lock the doors! And all of us were in here for about 60 days. 
they brought us food and new clothes, whatever we needed, but we had to stay in here. Let me tell you, you'd get on my last nerve. Why? Because you would do this and I would do that. If we're not careful, that's what we begin to play out. We begin to regret those little things that rob us of our peace, then it robs us of our happiness. I want you to think about this this week and process this. There's something about when peace is taken away, that it's providing the happiness, and then all of a sudden we begin to see that we resist what God is asking us to do in our life. It can be something so little that we can argue about. It's something so little that we don't really care about. But that grows into something so big that we want to change our circumstances because now we're seeing it a whole different way than what we did years ago. And again, let me just use an illustration of a married couple. They call it the honeymoon stage. Anybody ever remember that stage? You're not too old to remember that stage. Where you would tiptoe through the tulips during the day. And oh baby at night. It's relationship. But then what happens? Is all of a sudden. You didn't change out that. Toilet paper. And all of a sudden there's a peace that is broken. And all of a sudden it's, no, 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 you didn't do that. It's at work when somebody moves a chair or moves this or does that that you don't like. And all of a sudden anything that robs our peace will take away from our happiness. Begin to process this during your day. What tries to rob you of your peace with somebody else in your life? That's what's stealing your happiness. Now, the third point, and and we'll just talk about this briefly because this is kind of a downer, but it's so important. It's something that also takes away from our happiness. And today, the sermon title is What Makes You Happy? No Thing. But, But here's the third one. Another factor is to have to, you have to dis, really have to discuss during a discussion like this on happiness is the term sin. And it's something that all of us go, ooh. And this morning, for a, just a, a definition of what we can agree on, sin is something that we know that we shouldn't be doing. If you're a Christian, then you have to follow the New Testament and what Jesus said that we need to be doing as believers and followers and and not just as Christians because it's seldom used in the Bible, but as followers of Jesus. And what sin does is there's things that the consequences of sin that begins to steal away our happiness. We're all on a happiness quest. What is it that we do that makes us the most happy? Some of us will work harder so that we'll get to that place and we're always feeling like there's a square peg in a round hole. We're never really feeling satisfied. 
we're really not feeling that true happiness that maybe we once did. This morning, sin separates. And just like when something erodes our peace, sin begins to separate us from God. And, and, and here's the thing that's so misunderstood that we think that God, when we sin, says, I don't want to have anything to do with you. That, that's not true. Here, here's what the, the misconception is, is when we sin against God, we sin against others, realize this, we're sinning or we're doing someone wrong that is a child of God that He loves. If somebody comes up to me and says, I know that I hurt your son, but I didn't hurt you. We good, aren't we? We're good. It's just your son. I'd say, no, we're not good. And we get in this mindset that, that sin is our free choice, and it is. But at the end, it begins to erode our relationships, which again, steals our happiness. If you ever could fill in this blank, if I ever blank, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. If you fill that in and you think, oh my goodness, you know how sin will separate you from a relationship with God or maybe with somebody in your life or even yourself. Here's the sad thing about sin is it's it tries to substitute the immediate for the long term. If you just do it, and, and a lot of times it's it's the visual that we that sin lies to us, or you could say it promises us something that it can't fulfill. I've got some of these things down, like it, it substitutes pleasure for fulfillment, images for intimacy, experience for exclusivity, immediate for ultimate, self-expression for self-control. It makes a happy promise. You'll be happy if you just do this. But sin, really you could say, is a liar. It can't fulfill what it's trying to tell you and me that it can produce. I think then you go back to when Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That includes everybody that we come in contact with on a daily basis. That we're walking in love. So when we get to the place where we look at that person that's in our life and we go, I do not love you. Can I just be honest with you? Love is a choice. Let me tell you, I, I'm kind of a romantic guy and I like to think of love as Valentine's Day, you know. But love is a choice. When you get up in the morning, you have to choose if you're going to get out of bed. You have to choose if you're going to brush your teeth. You have to choose if you're going to take a shower. Now, that's just the truth that love is a choice. But when you get to the place that says, I don't love you, you realize that that is sinning against what God has told you. A follower of Jesus does. is walks in love with one another. It might be a time in your life that you look and you say, 2020 is going to be different. 
I'm going to forgive those people that I get into the place where I say, you know, I don't think I love them anymore. And you're saying, I'm choosing not to walk in love with them. But in 2020, I'm going to have vision from now until then. I'm not going to just have hindsight vision. But I'm going to choose to forgive and to walk in love because I realize when I walk in love with those people and don't sin, that the relationship will come back together. I will have peace. And I can expect happiness in my life. I think that a lot of times people have said, I think God is keeping me from happiness. And since Jesus is His Son, that Jesus is keeping me from happiness. When Jesus is all the time telling all of us the way to be happy. Let me sum it up this way and and then we'll pray and go on. Since happy is about a who, not a what. Since happy people are at peace with themselves, others, possibly God. Since sin undermines peace by separating and substituting. Since Jesus valued and prioritized peace with God, ourselves and others. Since you and I want to be happy, you should seriously consider starting off 2020 as a follower of Jesus. Pastor, I, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm going to encourage you to get to the place where truth is spoken of consistently and continually. That might be every day at your house when you get alone with God and you're reading the Word of God over your life. It, it, it's definitely when you come to church and you make it a priority. Why is that? I live in the same world you do. And part of the grace that God has given me is that I have to prepare a sermon every week. So I have to be in the Word of God. Let this year be different. Maybe this year you could push against the culture that we live in by doing something different than you did last year. Pastor, I want to be happier this year than I was last year. Do something different than you did last year. Come to church. There's a revelation. Get in the Word of God. Purposely do something for somebody that is kind of uncomfortable. You know some of you, if you took a cherry pie or an apple pie over to your neighbors, they'd probably pass out. You want to borrow my lawnmower? No, just want to walk in love with you. Just want to tell you I appreciate you. If you did something, worked a little bit extra for your boss. If you said, you know what, I want to be happy and this is what's robbing me of my peace and I'm done with that. I believe that the Word of God tells us that's what brings happiness 
when we understand our relationships are priority, when we understand that being at peace with God, ourselves and other people, and when we ask for forgiveness for the sin that we're continually having happen in our life. And we say, God, I'm done with that. It's a new day. It's a new way. And I give you the praise for it. Would you pray with me today? Father, there is nothing too hard for you. Father, I pray that today as we talked about the subject of what makes us happy, that we begin to look at our wives, our husbands, our children, the people in our life, at church, at work, differently. That God, maybe the people that have caused us seemingly what's stealing our happiness, God is actually the road to happiness in our relationships. Father, as we go through this series, that God, that you would speak to us individually. And Father, as we walk out, God, your word in our life, that God, even though we can't see it, God, we believe by faith that it is so. And Father, we give you the praise when it becomes real even more in our life in the physical realm. In your name we pray. Amen.